Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Making Milestones podcast. I'm Shelby Dennis, the podcaster of this podcast. So thank you for coming back. Um, And today we're going on another long ADHD-induced tangent about the horse world, like all of my other podcasts. So for those of you that are enjoy this, uh, come along for the ride, I guess. Uh, Today I thought it would be fun to talk a little bit about the horse industry and the social license and some things that I think all horse people should consider if they want to see the horse industry continue to flourish and not continue to be criticized and um, frowned upon by the general public. So I think that that is a really important topic because regardless of the training methods you use or you believe in or what you think needs to change in the horse world, it's something that all of us need to consider and need to be concerned about because um, even if you're not someone who you think would be viewed as like a harsh trainer or an abusive trainer or someone who would defend potentially cruel practices, being involved in an industry where there are lots of those types of people who have a certain level of apathy towards traditional practices that we now know better than and that we're trying to like let go of, the apathy and the lack of accountability for horse trainers, even when they get caught on video doing terrible things to horses, that's a huge problem and it's going to be our demise in the horse world, in my opinion, if we don't start seriously reconsidering how we present ourselves to the general public. Because, for example, just like within the last few years, we've had like the stuff with the Olympics. There was a bunch of different cases of p- abuse at the Olympics where it was publicized and people worldwide were witnessing it and seeing this as like their standard for what the horse industry looks like and what horse sports look like, which is very, very concerning because for us as horse people, we see a lot of different horse people. We know a lot of different horse people and we have a very wide um, variety of like memories and people and different care practices to consider when we're looking at like how we perceive horse people whereas the average person just watching the olympics or witnessing articles done on horse people about the horse industry and the abuses in it they are getting a lot of that as their one and only perception of the horse industry and how horses are trained and handled and as i'm sure you can imagine if that's all you ever see how are you supposed to view horse people as good or anything other than people who view horses as vehicles to use and exploit as they see fit um So yeah, we really need to consider how we come across to the general public because I do think that we're going to start being even more heavily scrutinized than we already have been. And with the amount of like flippancy that the average horse trainer just puts out training videos or training suggestions that are like inherently cruel and traumatic to the horse, uh, we need to be very concerned because like even just the comment sections on some of these videos, they just reaffirm to the average person that like horse people really don't care about changing their ways or being kinder and don't want to hold each other accountable and are willing to defend cruel practice, especially if it's done by someone that they like and respect and who is well known in the horse community. And yeah, it just makes it look like none of us care about our horses, especially when, yeah, these, these abusive articles go out, horse, non-horse people can go through the comments and look and go, oh, wow, like 
look at all the horse people agreeing with this abusive practice. They must all be like that. And then that attitude reflects poorly on all of us. And for me personally, I really don't want to be roped in with these types of people because I've been making a really concerted effort to try to change and soften my ways and learn better practices and become better as I learn how to do better and as I learn more as a horse trainer. So yeah, it's it's something that's very concerning for me because it also impacts how the average person perceives me as a horse trainer. Like the amount of people that I have had presume that all the horses I start have to have their spirits broken in order to willingly be ridden and stuff. It, it sucks because people aren't even willing to consider the fact that there's softer methods available and that horses can have autonomy in training and that there's kinder ways of teaching them things that don't involve the same high stress responses. And when they constantly see the abusive practices, it becomes very, very hard to convince them of the softer ones and that there's people out there that actually do care about their horses and value their horses as partners and friends. So it's it's a pretty problematic thing and like it's a multi-layered issue and it's unfortunately something that a lot of us were indoctrinated into from a very young age because a lot of horse people start riding as children or even if you don't you still get indoctrinated to a certain degree because when you're going into an industry as the newbie the person who doesn't know better you are at the mercy of those who teach you and it's very very hard to debate or argue against like a trainer as a beginner rider when they have a wealth of experience and can kind of throw that in your face and be like you don't know anything about horses you're just starting here and that's a problem because there are cases where new riders have relevant concerns about equine welfare and there honestly are a lot of those cases because Sometimes non-horse people or people who are newer to the horse industry are more perceptive at recognizing injustices than long-term horse people because they haven't underwent the same level of indoctrination and like grooming that causes you to um, willingly accept certain practices in the horse world. And it's unfortunate because then those people can get their voices silenced or they can get run completely out of the horse world just by being made to feel stupid for having relevant concerns. Um, and yeah, it impacts so many people and it reflects poorly on all of us. So I think it is a really important discussion to have. And I want to go into more detail on that. And then I also want to talk a little bit more about like elitism in the horse world and like the lack of accessibility and how I think that also impacts uh, the whole issue with like losing our social license and like how horses are portrayed and perceived by the average person in society. And I know I've done other podcasts that are similar to this, but I don't think that this will be the same. If it is the same, I apologize. Um, I often forget like all the different topics that I talk about because I don't write down anything and I don't have like a script. I just go off. Uh, so yeah, if this is a repeat of certain topics that I've discussed, hopefully I'm elaborating them on them more and providing more interesting things that make the topic a little different, but hopefully I haven't done this topic before. Um, anyways, so we'll get into that, but for those of you who want to check out my other social channels or pages, I'm on TikTok, S-D-E-Q-U-U-S, and I'm also on Instagram under the same name. I'm on YouTube, Shelby Dennis, and Facebook, Milestone Equestrian. My website is milestoneequestrian.ca. I also have a merch store, shopmilestoneequestrian.com, and I sell bridles, riding apparel, and fun graphic hoodies and saddle pads on amoreequestrian.ca, A-M-O-R-E, 
equestrian.ca and there's some really cool stuff there. I'm going to be releasing some new apparel soon too and I also have samples that just dropped on that website that are reduced price because they're just the first samples that we've ordered and unfortunately some of the sizes were way too small uh, for the size range that I want to do. So we're just selling the samples that we have and then continuing to expand the size range and our apparel range um, and there's going to be some new stuff coming into stock this week. So I highly recommend checking it out. I'm really excited about some of the new releases. And also for those of you who are interested in supporting the podcast and my work in other ways, I'm also on Patreon, patreon.com slash S-D-E-Q-U-U-S. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And you can subscribe for as little as a dollar a month to get like behind the scenes thing, like looks at like my products that I'm putting out soon, uh, training advice, ask training questions, be uh, ex- like have access to live Q&As for patrons only and I have a library of tutorial videos that are available to uh, certain subscription brackets as well and you can also uh, apply for like or not apply subscribe for one of the training tiers where you can get free training help monthly um, and online consults as well so I highly recommend checking that out that's probably the best way to get help if you have like a specific issue with your horse that you want like a consult on or have a question about that's the best way to reach me and get an in-depth answer because it is very time consuming making all this stuff and like putting out these videos and doing tutorials and like filming stuff and things like it takes up a lot of extra hours of my free time so like my work days look very different like I don't consider filming this podcast and stuff work per se because it's enjoyable for me but it is work I guess in in terms of like the time it takes and like the energy I have to put into like planning these things and whatnot so yeah the Patreon is just a way to receive more compensation for doing that and it allows me to continue like expanding the product line and um, stuff that I'm doing with my business, like getting podcast gear and all that jazz. So, uh, it, yeah, it's a great way to just support the company and also get access to behind the scenes stuff and training help. So yeah, highly recommend checking that out. Anyways, let's jump right back into this. So horse people really need to start to alter the way we do things because also like, I think, We've grown up like being comfortable posting about doing certain training practices publicly and in the public eye when they're not ethical and when the horse is exemplifying high instances of stress or putting themselves in blatantly dangerous situations. And people have gotten so comfortable doing these types of things right out in public or filming and posting them that it is not hard for people to find evidence of horses being handled in a harsh way. Uh, If you've ever been on TikTok, abusive training videos are a dime a dozen on there. And again, like TikTok is a massive platform that recommends videos to all sorts of different people, not just horse people. So people outside of the horse world are seeing these things. And then some of the abusive videos on TikTok have like 10,000 plus likes and hundreds of thousands of views. And they're not only normalizing these harsh practices and insinuating to other people that it's okay to do this to horses, but they're also highlighting how some horse people treat their horses to the masses and giving like really graphic views of what they do and honestly for like any animal trainer or any animal advocate or anyone who has any concept of learning theory or animal behavior there's a whole lot of videos that are shocking and appalling and that you don't need to be a horse person to watch and go this is not okay. This is not the best method of achieving whatever this person is trying to achieve. And the horse is scared and not having a good time. There are no shortage of videos that random, normal, non-horsey people can go on and come to that conclusion. And they're being freely shared. On top of this, 
at in, at shows and public riding barns and whatnot, the things people will do right smack dab in the middle of the barn or in the public are just further examples of how comfortable horse people are um, doing certain types of abuses right out in front of people. Um, like, for example, if a horse is bad, like people hitting it for biting or laying into horses with like their lead ropes or a whip and whatnot, like stuff like that you see all the time in warm up rings or at barns. And it's also encouraged in lessons by riding instructors and just taught by tons of different people. And what I do want to reiterate is this isn't to say that all of the people who partake in these methods are just heartless people who hate their horses. Like I said, there is a certain level of indoctrination that makes this possible and continues to allow this to happen. And when you have been indoctrinated and had this stuff like shown in front of you repeatedly over the years and had it normalized and downplayed and have been taught to do it, you don't recognize the red flags as much because you've grown so used to seeing highly stressed horses and utilizing certain training methods because that's what you've been taught. And I say this as someone who speaks from experience because that was what I was taught. Um, and it was what I did for years and I never questioned. And when people did question it or would start like trash talking methods that I was taught to use, it made me very uncomfortable and I got defensive initially. And now I can look at it objectively and go like, yeah, like that was really shitty. That was not the best method of achieving it. That was less safe for both me and the horse. And I'm really lucky that I didn't get more injured during the time periods where we weren't as considerate about the horse's feelings and weren't as aware of high instances of stress or how certain training methods would stress the horse or how certain management methods would stress the horse. So yeah, like there is a certain level of indoctrination. So like not everyone who partakes in this stuff is just a terrible person who doesn't care about their horse. And I think that's something to consider because there really is no incentive for people to change if they're not going to be accepted in that change and welcomed in that change and encouraged. If you always hold someone to the same judgment that you would have when they were doing things wrong or being harsh with horses, then there's very little incentive for them to change their ways because again, like the no one's perception of them changes. They still get judged the same way. They still get treated the same way. So there's no real reason for them to go, let's partake in undoing a lot of my bad training habits and having to relearn how to do things with horses to a large degree. Uh, it, it's a very big undertaking and it's overwhelming for people to consider and to look at. And it can be very scary. So we do have to be open-minded enough to encourage and empower people in changing and also provide resources for educational resources. But with that said, like, especially as someone who's online and obviously like I criticize a lot of different abusive practices and harsh videos that I see online and I'm not always like nice in the way that I do it. I don't think we owe it to people to coddle them. Like, for example, if you are laying into a horse with a rope or a whip so hard that it's lathered in sweat and terrified and running away from you or trying to scale the wall of a round pen to get away from you, it is not mean for people to say that is cruel, that horse is very stressed, there's no need for this to be so high stress. Um, because that's just a fact. People don't owe it to you to coddle you in toxic behaviors, especially when you are an adult and do it repeatedly. And also like when these people justify what they're doing and defend it in the comments and just make fun of anyone who criticizes them and call them like tree hugging Karens, that further reiterates to non-horse people that the, that a lot of horse people view it as tree hugging hippie or like being like a Karen or an internet trainer to just be kind to your horse and to reconsider harsh methods. And the way that looks is really not good. Like it, it 
it makes people perceive us so differently and it makes them not have empathy for horse people and not really care if they were to demolish an entire industry and take jobs away from people because they view us as all being terrible terrible and bad and harsh and like that and justifying abuse so they don't really feel sorry for us when considering like oh like if we could save the horses by taking them away from these types of people that's it that's a win they don't consider the full picture um and honestly i don't really blame them because it is really hard to watch some of the stuff that people do to horses and how they defend it and how like hardcore they go in their defense of their behavior because it just shows no accountability and no concern for the horse and absolutely no guilt or even like a pause for a second and worrying about their horse's safety and their well-being like it, it's very hard to not be furious at those type of people and to not let that color your view of everyone if it's all you're seeing and if it's so in your face especially like i said on these videos with tens of thousands of views and like tens of thousands of comments a lot of which will agree with what they're seeing in the video it's really hard for people to look at that and go oh like not everyone is like that it's like no there there it is very pervasive in the horse world and it's per pervasive enough in the horse world that it is a fair response for people to just kind of view the horse world differently and have a poor taste in their mouth when they consider like horse people and the average training of the horse because we've normalized a lot of really harsh abusive practices and back when horses were work animals it would make a little bit more sense because like they needed to be forced into doing work because people were using them literally to survive so it's more understandable that you're going to be less considerate of their emotions and feelings because you have to do what you need to do to get by. But now, for the most part, horses aren't work animals. They're pleasure animals. They're here for enjoyment. They're here for us to show and compete on and enjoy. And that should be where we're considering them in an equal partnership because they are a partner in the sport that we are competing in. And welfare laws should protect them as much as they would protect people being mistreated. And obviously, like, I would say more because obviously there's not a whole lot of protections in the horse world for people being mistreated. There's a lot of bullying. There's a lot of misconduct and, like, sexual abuse and harassment and verbal abuse. So people do need to be more protected in the horse world. Um, and so do the horses. But there should be more equality in terms of rules and regulations to keep both sides safe because the horse is voiceless people are not people can advocate for themselves to a certain degree the horse can't say anything so the rules that we set need to be set in a way that protects the horse and their lack of a voice and if anything it should err on the side of caution for the horse so we shouldn't be justifying equipment and training practices that have an extremely high risk of stress pain or injury and there are a lot of bits and like gadgets that are still enabled for use at shows even at the upper levels that are inherently painful and stressful to the horse and a lot of methods that are inherently painful and stressful to the horse that we actively enable when really like we should be like okay if there is a better way to accomplish these things and have the same result even if it's more work we should be doing that because we care about our horses and we need to protect them and that's how we need to view this. So it's of my opinion that the regulations for shows and like just general care and like welfare regulations for horses, they should err on the side of caution for the horse and have things that like obviously like with the modern world and whatnot, it wouldn't be a fair regulation to be like, oh, all horses should have minimum five acres turnout pasture for them because space wise, that's not particularly realistic. But like there should be welfare laws in place that are like, okay, like horses are social herd animals. It shouldn't be legal to keep them completely 
completely isolated from other horses and in tiny little spaces for the vast majority of their time. There's no reason for that. And similarly, for like the show jumping ring, if we have riders that are supposed to be the best in the world competing at the meter 60 level, they should be able to ride well enough to not need super harsh bidding rigs. Like I, within reason, obviously, I'm not saying to say like, oh, no Pelhams or anything, but it's like, why are we allowing these twisted wire gag contraptions and these types of nose bands that are incredibly harsh and limit the horse's ability to escape the pressure and pain from the harsh bit in their mouth? And why are we enabling it, especially at the top level with the people who are supposed to be the best in the world competing? when they are supposed to be setting an example for everyone else. So if they're the best in the world and they can't even get into the show ring ethically or prepare their horse ethically, and they need to be winning at the expense of their horse's comfort, then they don't really deserve to be there, in my opinion. And, like, yeah, like, some horses are really strong, and I know people try to say, like, oh, meter 60 horses are, like, a different breed, you don't understand, but, like, there's enough riders who do manage to get around in snaffles and do so on most of their string, or at least use less harsh options if they're bidding up that it definitely is possible but we're not instilling the type of right like the type of values in riders that would lead them to work harder to teach their horse not to rush and help their horse relax instead of covering it up with the easy way with like a harsh bit that allows them to get their horse to stop easier because it hurts more if the horse doesn't stop um we're not instilling the values that people need to be the type of rider that would actually want to put the work in to do that we are instilling the quick fixed mentality and the mentality that like fame, fortune, and the amount of wins that you have or how fancy the horse you ride is are all important and should be viewed in a higher regard in terms of your success as a rider and trainer than your ability to care for and produce happy, well-minded horses who are not like completely losing their shit or are not needing harsh setups to be controlled and managed either on the ground or under saddle. Um, And we need to start, like, demanding for those values. And honestly, like, you can't force people to be more empathetic, but you can regulate it. And if you put regulations in place that are essentially writing empathy for horses into law, then people will have to start to change because if they don't, they won't be able to compete or enjoy their horses in the way that they would like to. And for most people that are competing at the upper levels, that's enough incentive for them to change is if they are not able to be enabled in using harsh equipment or certain practices in the same way, then they have to change if they want to be there. And most people will, because honestly, like in the grand scheme of things, it's not really that much work to learn ways to soften your methods and to learn ways to start applying rewards-based programs to your riding or to go find a good dressage trainer to help you train your horse to be soft enough that you can bit down so that it doesn't need a harsh bit or literally just turning these upper level athletes out in herds so that they can be regular horses and even just that change could be enough that their equipment can change very quickly because they're not as pent up and stressed anymore and this also goes into like horse shows like if we started to change these welfare regulations we'd want to change like how we view the setup of stalls at horse shows like why can't we start doing stalls that are like 
a shed or like an open like in and out with like a small paddock attached it wouldn't really take up that much more room and I'm not saying like a large paddock because obviously it shows like you can't have them living in situations that they would regularly be living in but taking into account that we're competing social herd animals and allowing for that socialization and the need to move to some degree or finding ways to accommodate it better than we have is something that I think needs to happen in order for us to better what we like how we take care of our horses and make the horse world more um, welfare first um, and honestly like these changes all start with just like discussion and people actually being willing to hold other riders accountable or not being apathetic because like wa wandering around with the belief of like oh no one will change they've always done this way like saying stuff and saying like speaking out doesn't matter it'll never change walking around with that apathetic attitude does not help anyone like okay let's let's say speaking out may not bring change but you want to know what definitely won't bring change just being silent and allowing people to continue as is even if it harms horses Apathy does not change anything. And like, I don't know where the notion that speaking out does nothing even began because there has been a lot of societal change that has been brought forth by people refusing to shut up and being so rigid in their views and their moral beliefs that they fight for them and not like physically fight necessarily, verbally fight. Like they're advocating for what they want to see. And this is how a lot of things in the world have changed. Like it is proven that speaking out does work and that it can make a difference. So it's certainly doesn't hurt to speak out even if you feel like your voice isn't going to be heard or listened to you're always better off speaking out and trying to make the change that you would like to see than you are staying completely silent and just being like oh there's no point like I'm not going to change anything no you won't change anything if you look at yourself and go I can't change anything I might as well stay out of this and just shut up you need to partake actively in advocating for what you'd like to see even if just to like post you doing things the different way so that people can see it is possible or sharing educational articles or choosing to educate yourself or supporting businesses and people and trainers and upper level riders that it, that have the type of welfare views that you respect like all of those little things can help bring change apathy does not help bring change it doesn't do anything so now that we've kind of talked about like the social license with shows and like some of my thoughts with what we could change and like how we need to regulate empathy and kindness to horses in order to actually create this change because there's so many people that are resistant to it. I also want to talk about the elitism in the horse world because I do think that this plays a huge role in how horses are treated and how they're used and abused. So for example like at the upper levels especially in like the English world with like show jumping and like the hunter jumpers and whatnot and dressage it is very very expensive to compete and this makes it so that like a large portion of those competing are middle to upper class and if they are middle class it's like upper middle class like these are people that they're not struggling financially and maybe they spend a lot on shows and it makes them have to make sacrifices in other areas but that is just a normal part of being a living human being it does not mean that they're in poverty or hurting for money whatsoever if you can afford to repeatedly show a-rated shows for weeks at a time multiple times in a year you are doing better than a lot of the population because most people don't have such a disposable income that they can just go and blow like fifteen hundred dollars per week at an a-rated show so with that in mind a lot of the people we're seeing at these shows are privileged and 
This means that, like, people who aren't privileged, whether or not they're, they're talented enough, whether or not they have the drive to, whether or not they have the horse to, if they cannot afford to be at the show, they cannot represent people. So what this means is that a lot of the riders who are getting these underdog-type horses and who might be more willing to change and might be more considerate of welfare practices, because typically they are more reliant on having to educate themselves to a large degree, they can't afford as frequent of lessons, they're typically not the types of riders that are getting m multiple lessons a week with a big name trainer. Um, they're typically more like the pleasure riding, like, like, I guess, quote unquote, backyard style riders. I don't mean that in like a derogatory way. I mean that they're not at the fancy show barns and they're more reliant on learning how to be self-sufficient because they can't afford that made horse. So if they buy their own horse, they typically either have to learn how to train it themselves or they have to do so under the watchful eye of a trainer. And they might be doing more online research and whatnot for themselves. Again, this isn't saying that show people cannot do online research. I'm just speaking from experience because also like when I was growing up young, like my parents had a lot of money and they paid for a lot of showing and I had a lot of privileges that I did not value or appreciate to the degree that I needed to. And now that I have lived on the other side of it, I can easily say like there's a bunch of things that I never considered or never crossed my mind when I was super privileged and getting everything covered and not having to factor in the actual cost of what was being given to me. Um, so yeah, a lot of these riders that can't afford the shows are the same ones that are taking on more difficult problem horses and horses that they have to like really work um, hard to try to get them somewhat rideable because like, these are the ones that you can typically buy the most cheaply. They These people can't afford to just drop $10,000 on a horse who's been well started and is going well and ready to show. A lot of them have to train and a lot of these people are getting like horses like the off the track thoroughbreds and some of the underdog type horses, the breeds that are also discriminated against. So since these people are less privileged and they typically cannot afford to go to these shows, not only does this mean that these underdog type horses, the cheap horses, don't get the chance to prove themselves at these levels, even if they are actually capable of competing and holding their own, they never get to be there because their owners cannot afford to be there. And similarly, their owners never get to be there to represent alternative methods and training and different belief systems and different backgrounds because they cannot afford to be there. So this results in the show world being comprised largely of like the same demographic financially and honestly like there is like some racist undertones because of that because like the horse sport is very whitewashed it's becoming less so there's more representation for people of color but again the cost of shows is something that makes it impossible for a lot of people to participate even if they would otherwise want to um and this, this limits representation. We would have more representation. We would, we would have more people coming from different backgrounds if they could simply afford to be there and if there was structures in place to allow it to be more easy for them to try to get there. Uh, and this isn't about giving people like free handouts or anything like that. It's about recognizing the fact that people can be hardworking and deserving of the same privileges as those with more money even if they don't have the same income. Like, income does not consider how hard you work. There's a lot of people who are making minimum wage that are, like, the hardest working people you can consider, and they don't get the credit that they deserve because they don't make enough money, and it doesn't, like, wow people in the same way, but they still do deserve recognition, and they still do deserve equity. So it's not really about handouts. It's, it's accepting the fact that, like, currently the minimum wage in a lot of areas is not a living wage. Like, a lot of people can barely afford to feed themselves and live even on minimum wage when minimum wage is supposed to be the minimum wage that you can get paid to like 
be able to rent and afford to take care of yourself and a family. That's not the case anymore. So since, since we know this, like there's, we, we could do things to try to start to eat, like create some equity in the show world. And it would, and it would also change how people perceive horse show people because there'd be a wider variety of different people there and different backgrounds and different opinions. And we need that. And I think that honestly, this is really important for representation in the horse world and also for pushing for better welfare practices, because if you have a monopoly of people who are all from the same financial demographic um, and who have grown up largely the same way, they don't really have the, the, the insight to like consider the struggles other riders are actually dealing with. They don't really consider how many things, like how many obstacles there are to overcome. And I noticed this repeatedly with how dismissive a lot of these types of people are when people talk about the expense of showing. They go like, oh, life isn't fair. Not everyone can afford showing. Like when I was your age, I worked really, I worked 12 hour days at a barn and like worked so hard until I could afford a horse that was nice. And then I produced it myself and show at the upper levels. They'll use stories like that to try to um, discredit people who are like, this is really hard and it's not set up for us to succeed. And it's kind of funny because a lot of the people who do that, first of all, they're older, which means like the world was way cheaper when they were growing up. Like if I had grown up when my mom did, um, and we scaled my income to be compatible with like then I would be a homeowner by now. I could easily buy a house. I could afford rent, no problem. And horse shows were also way cheaper. And so were the horses. And there is just more accessibility. So back then there was more access to things. But also that aside, we should not be perpetuating the idea that you need to like literally kill yourself working overtime in order to succeed in an industry because that is like literally mandating the idea that you need to accept being exploited and being underpaid and undercompensated and underappreciated just to make it simply because you were born into a different financial bracket and had absolutely no control over that. I think that's silly. People who come from less in like lower income backgrounds are deserving of being able to compete and being able to be afforded opportunities that actually allow them to live healthy lives and aren't about exploiting them to the point where they get burnt out and want to leave the industry because that's the case for a lot of different people they get worked so hard trying to make it in the horse world to get where they want that they can no longer actually enjoy horses and it sucks the the love for horses out of them and also in turn being worked to this degree can turn someone to be like a very jaded individual individual and when you're burnt out and getting worked to death and you're frustrated and you're not being treated well and you're just not in a good mental place these are also the types of people that are more likely to be harsher on horses because if you're not in a good mental state yourself you're more likely to go over threshold and snap and revert to harsh methods that you may have been taught or that you might be actively encouraged to do in your workplace so it can also alter how they treat horses and how uh, welfare of horses is represented because they're not in a good welfare state themselves and it impacts their response to things. They can't respond as well. They can't be as patient. They can't be as empathetic because they are struggling within themselves. So that's another thing to consider. But yeah, that aside, I think equity is necessary and equity is not equality. It's not offering everyone the exact same. It is putting things in place to help people overcome obstacles that other people do not experience. And this is the other thing to consider. Being called privileged is not people saying you did not work for what you had. It means that you didn't have to consider other factors that make other people's lives harder 
and that they have to consider, but you don't. So being privileged is just what you did not have to experience. And everyone has their privileges, even people who would be considered lower income. If you're living in a country where you're relatively safe, that in itself is a privilege because you could be living in a war-torn country and you could have been born there simply because that was the luck of the draw. People don't have a say over that. Like everyone in Canada and the U.S. has probably has some type of privilege that other people wish they had. So privilege doesn't mean you didn't work hard for what you have. I've worked very hard for what I have, but I've still had privileges. I've mentioned this in other podcasts. My parents paid for my riding lessons from a young age and bought me my first horse. If I hadn't learned how to ride when I did and gotten the experience that I did, I would not have been able to create my business into what it is today because I would not have had the skill set that I needed to start being able to access horses and training and stuff for free or for very cheap and learn how to bring along my own green horses. If I didn't have that initial foundation, all of that stuff would have crumbled. So that's a privilege that I have to be aware of. But again, so discussing equity at shows. I've I've also discussed this in other pod- podcasts, but like my idea is like a sliding scale. So if you can prove your income, which anyone can if you do taxes, which everyone technically should be, um, proof of income, there should be sliding scales. And what this would mean is that the people who are not hurting at all for income and can easily afford A-rated shows, they'd pay a, a percentage more than people who have less, but it would all end up actually evening out for the most part because it would just be setting prices to be affordable for different incomes. And people who are super high income could pay more and then that money would go into a pool that would allow other people opportunities who cannot afford them. And it would be things that people wouldn't even notice. And like, I know a lot of people in the horse world are really selfish and they're like, oh, like, I don't want to help anyone. Like, they need to work for their own stuff. I worked hard for mine. But a lot of the people saying that are coming from families who had businesses or had money or helped send them through school or have paid for their stuff to a large degree. And yes, the person has worked to get to a certain point in their life, but they've also been given a lot of help that they're not accurately portraying in how it influenced their overall um, ending, I guess, the, sto- the like where they got to in life. Um, and like my thing is like if you have the extra money and you're doing better than the majority of the population, why wouldn't you want to use that to help other people if it literally does not hurt your ability to enjoy the things that you like whatsoever? And yeah, that that's what I think should happen. If you have the money to be able to allow other people opportunities that they otherwise would not have and you won't even notice it being gone, why wouldn't we do that? Like, why wouldn't we give more opportunity to people so that we can have more representation in the horse world? I think monetary representation from lower financial brackets is also very important because it'll help make for more realism in the horse world. If all of the people that we have getting the most attention and making all the decisions are fairly well off, they're not going to be within reality when they're actually trying to consider how much the horse world lacks access. They're looking at it from the lens of their own life. And if they've grown up privileged in a situation where they never had to worry about finances or didn't have to worry very much or don't now, they're not going to have the same perception as someone who's actively having to worry about that. And if we have more people from lower financial backgrounds becoming known in the horse world and having opportunities to be involved with organizations and on regulatory boards, then we have further representation that will allow for a more realistic outlook on how every horse person operates and lives, not just the ones we see the most in the media. 
Um, and that's the other thing to consider is, like, the vast majority of the horse world is, like, adult amateurs and kids. It's not people that are showing and competing at the high levels. They account for a very tiny fraction of the population of the horse world. And anyone that's paying for, like, a membership through USEF or Equine Canada or HCBC or any type of organization for horses, you're paying into, an, or, like, an industry that had that that is going into a lot of other directions if that makes sense so even if you're not showing if you get like a uscf membership just to just for certain privileges or because you might show occasionally you're still paying into their program and their expenses so with that in mind it's like how hard is it to honestly just take a certain percentage from what you get for membership fees or show fees and put that into incentives to help people I personally don't think it would be that hard, especially with, like, the level of privilege that I see just being completely, like, what's the word? Like, just put on billboards, basically, in the horse world. Like, the amount of people on the show circuit that can import multiple horses a year or just up and buy full vehicles or farms or trailers, like, willy-nilly as they see fit, or can just afford strings of horses to bring to shows in the first place. Like, anyone that can afford several horses at an A-rated show is doing pretty freaking well. Um, and, like, if you can do that, it's like, why not allow the opportunity to someone who is just like you in terms of their goals and their ambitions, but unlike you, hasn't been afforded the same access to privileges that made it easier for you to get to where you are. And this is also what you have to consider. There are people out there who want what you have just as badly or possibly more than you, and they want it so badly that it hurts. And they can't realistically set the goals in the same way that privileged people can because they don't have the funds to do it. So it's a pipe dream. It's something that they just get to be on the outside of and watch. And with how um, many like working students there are that exploit working student positions there are that exploit people these people are also ones that typically get taken advantage and their passion is turned into energy for work and it for other people to profit off of other people that are living the dreams that these people may never or likely will never get to live especially with like the current structure of the horse world we exploit people and their passion for horses and use it to continue helping out um like, the upper class and, like, upper-level equestrians at the expense of these passionate young horse people who are willing to accept unfair jobs and work unfair hours just on the off chance that it might afford them to getting to where they want at the top of the sport. And, like, that's really sad. Like, we're robbing people of these of their passion and giving them, fal like, false hope for a dream while not actually providing them with the resources that they realistically need to achieve that dream. And, it's, it's just shameful. Like, we, we, like, people prey on others' love for horses, and they use it for their own gain and benefit in, like, the most disgusting way possible. And this isn't me saying that all working student positions are bad. There are working student positions that are fair compensation for the work that they're asking it for in return, but there's not enough of them, and there's a huge lack of protection for barn workers and grooms and all types of, like, employees. Uh, for example, like, here in B.C., Farm workers are the only faction of workers where it's legal to not pay them overtime, not give them lunch breaks or any other type of break. And the interesting thing is that these workers are usually ones that are working back-breaking labor in the hot sun. And farm workers would include, in my opinion, grooms, working students, like uh, stable hands, barn managers, and so on and so forth. 
these types of people aren't very protected. They typically don't get a fair number of breaks. They typically don't get overtime. They typically don't get holiday pay, but they're working extremely hard jobs that are very important. And they're working in a trade. Like the horse world should be considered a trade in my opinion. A groom is a tradesperson. A barn manager is a tradesperson. A stable hand is a tradesperson. All of these people have skills that they've had to learn how to handle horses safely and how to be efficient around the barn and how to conserve like waste and not and, and do their jobs effectively usually in short periods of time and while being abused by employers in a lot of cases and they're not compensated or protected enough horse people are tradespeople and like i like i don't know if the answer is unionizing the horse world or what but there needs to be more protections for these types of people because the amount of unfair jobs that there are and the amount of people there are in the horse world that have the audacity to publicly advertise jobs for under minimum wage is it, it's too much and it's embarrassing and all of this contributes to the overwhelming like power structure in the horse world where people who are really passionate about horses who love horses who've taken the initiative to educate themselves on horses and do like equine science stuff and learn about learning theory and just learn about horses in a scientific way and promote their welfare these types of people are often written off and viewed as less credible than those that are simply able to compete at the upper levels no matter who is actually more knowledgeable we value status way too much in the horse world we value show wins and like nice horses way too much in the horse world and the thing is like to a certain degree you can just buy yourself these things like you can buy your way to the top to a large extent if you get the right trainer the right horse and you can afford the show fees and enough lessons you can get into big rings in the horse world um but even if you're really talented even if you have a really talented horse if you don't have the funds to afford to get there it doesn't matter if in theory you could literally do everything other upper level riders are doing and beat them at it if you do not have the money to be there so it's interesting because like we've created this mindset where if you can afford to go to shows and do well that you're somehow superior to all other riders when it's not really anything that's based on talent or skill and it's almost completely rooted in money. And again, this is not me saying that people who show are not good riders, but in order, like the only thing that is really required to set foot in the show ring is the money to be able to pay to be there. So it the shows provide the ability to highlight your talent and to show off your talent and to be judged for your talent and receive um, attention and reward for your talents as a rider and to show off your horse. But the talent itself is generally achieved outside of the show ring. All of the work that goes into being a good rider and developing your horse is mostly done at home. So in theory, there could be a ton of riders on this very planet right now that are sitting on horses that have the potential to be great and who are riders themselves that have the potential to be great, but simply cannot do it because of the current structure of the horse world. And I think that diversifying the demographics we see at shows would also improve equine welfare because it's just allowing for more different opinions and more people to comment on changes they would like to see in the horse world and ways that we can make things better. So the elitism plays like a really huge role, I think, because it shuts so many doors for so many different people and it runs a whole lot of passionate horse people out of the horse industry because they're used up and burnt out by people who exploit their love for horses and use it so that they can get cheap labor and not have to appropriately pay or compensate people. And it's really, really sad. Like, I... 
I, I hate it. It's one of my main goals is like to try to get my business to the point where I can help more people like this and start to open up scholarship incentives and other stuff to allow people opportunities that they deserve and that they just simply can't afford. Because like growing up, like after my family lost all their money, um, like that was kind of the kid that I was. I had all these big dreams that I'd made because my parents could afford them and that I just expected to come to me because that's what was happening when I was younger. All of a sudden they were stripped away and I let go of a lot of my dreams and I even like gave up on the idea of becoming a horse trainer for several, several years throughout high school because I was like, there's too many barriers to overcome. It's too expensive. I didn't feel like I was taken seriously by anyone if I didn't have enough of a show record. And honestly, even still, people will use that as frequently to try to discredit the experience that I have and the amount of work that I've put into my education. Um, and it, it's annoying, but like, yeah, losing the privilege of like being able to afford horses and have it be financially easy to do so. It corrupted a lot of my dreams and brought them to a screeching halt and it, it that that kind of shows how closed off the horse world is and obviously like I, I know horses are expensive this isn't me saying that everyone should take a hit and go out of business to make lessons and all that less expensive but if we can open doors to allow people to show off their talents and allow talented riders the same privileges that a lot of other athletes get which is being like scouted and able to be recruited for their sport based off of their talent and ability um, rather than their money, then that would be really awesome, I think. And um, obviously to a certain de degree, like, yeah, money will still close doors and it does for all sports if you have to pay to be there and if there's not a whole lot of uh, things in place for underprivileged people. But that's not really a reason, in my opinion, to just not try to make it better at all. Like, just because something may never be completely fair, that's not a reason to not at, at least try to make it as fair and accessible as you can. So yeah, we may never make it perfect. And like, since horses are expensive, the expenses of horses may never make it so that everyone has access to horses, but we can sure as heck try to make more and more programs to enable people's access to horses because horses are incredibly therapeutic. They're incredible animals and they can change lives. And honestly, anyone who loves horses and will do right by them and who will be conscious of their welfare is more deserving of being in their presence than anyone else, regardless of their accolades in the show ring. If you love horses and you truly have their well-being at heart and you just want to be in the sport because of the love of the horse, you're more deserving of being here than someone who views their horses as vehicles to win ribbons on and doesn't actually really value their well-being all that much unless the horse is winning for them in the show ring. And even then, they only value their well-being when it's like convenient for them and they're willing to strip the horse away for a they're willing to strip basic rights away from the horse in order to convenience their ability to ride and show them. And that's what you see with upper level horses. So many of them do not get turnout at all or won't get group turnout because people who own them are too paranoid about them getting hurt. So they're willing to strip away basic needs of a social herd animal just to enable their ability to show them and enjoy them. And like that is not as welfare forward as like the young kids who would literally like do anything just to like brush a horse and inhale their horsey scent and would do anything to become a better horse person and learn how to be more considerate of their horse. 
Um, so yeah, I think we need to open more doors for that. And like I said, apathy doesn't do anything. Speaking out does. And also, yes, we may never be able to make it completely fair. Yes, horses are expensive. But is that a reason to just try to leave it as is and leave it as inaccessible as it is now, despite the fact that there are lots of ideas that we could discuss the viability of and see if it's possible to apply them to make things more accessible? There's, there's no reason to not try, in my opinion. And, like, the thing I think other people sh should consider is a lot of the people who don't want to try are people who already have the privileges that allow them to be able to do what they want in the horse world, uh, which is kind of selfish because basically then you don't care about providing access to other people if you're not impacted by the lack of access. But, like, a friendly reminder for anyone, like, anyone can lose their money and their finances and be rendered unable to do things that they once freely did with ease. Anyone can have that happen to them. So it could happen to you. It could happen to someone you know. And do you really want to wait until some tragedy happens where you suddenly lose a lot of your privileges and you understand now what other people were dealing with, but there are no incentives in place to help you? Do you really want to wait until then to actually start advocating for people and wanting to help them? I don't think so. I think that we should operate with the mentality of, like, I want to provide everyone with the same type of privileges that I can get because I'm not any more deserving of them simply because I can afford them or simply because I had certain privileges that led me to being where I am today. Um, like, I want other people to have the same access as me. I'm not more deserving of what I have simply because my parents could afford to put me in lessons when I was younger. That was all luck, you know? Like, I didn't choose where I was born. Um, it was luck and fortune on my part to be born into a family that could afford my passion of horses for long enough that I was able to learn to become self-sufficient enough to make it easier to continue doing what I wanted to do in the sport. And even then, it was still very difficult to overcome a lot of the financial things. And it's still difficult. And honestly, like social media is a huge one, I'd say, for helping me afford things because like it gave me access to sponsors and whatnot and other things that I would never have gotten offered if it weren't for a social platform. So that's one of the things that I think can level the playing field a little bit because it allows people to highlight their work with horses, whether they're showing or not. And it opens the doors for them to get sponsorship and help so that they can even just, even if it's just like some free riding clothes and stuff, it limits the amount of expenses that they have. So I think that's one of the greatest benefits of social media. But then, like I said, in the beginning part, then we have a lot of terrible things being highlighted and shown to the masses because of the access of social media. So it's a blessing and a curse in some ways. But, like, it, it does allow for more opportunities because until fairly recently, like, sponsorships were basically unheard of to be given to anyone that other than people who were showing at, like, the upper levels and able to advertise companies at shows. Social media now provides opportunity to people who do not show or can't afford to show regularly, and it allows companies to sponsor people who are regular riders rather than competitive riders. And honestly, since the average rider who doesn't compete makes up the vast majority of the horse world, I think it's a good thing that we're starting to represent more of those types of people. Otherwise, it really reiterates this mindset that we have, that so many people have in the horse world, where it's like, oh, like showing and competing is the goal of all horse people. Um, and it causes them to devalue people who don't have that goal or not like understand them or assume they're not as serious about riding simply because they don't want to show. And all of this fixation on competition also enables a lot of our welfare issues to an extent because people are motivated to have shortcuts and cause their horse distress if it means getting in the show ring quicker or easier and they're willing to make up reasons in their head why it's okay to do their horse due to their horse or why it's not a problem 
And yeah, so opening doors for people and like trying to make things more accessible, I'd ne- I could never see as a bad thing because at the bare minimum, it'll allow for more, pr- more opinions in the horse world uh, so that people can start to understand like what it is like coming from different backgrounds. Because truly, like so many people that are extremely wealthy in the horse world and doing well, they have no real concept of how difficult it is for the average person who is like living paycheck to paycheck and happens to like horses. Like a lot of people are in that boat and they are working their asses off to care for their horses and do what they can. And their struggle is underappreciated and undervalued and underrepresented. Uh, And people when they do complain about it or not necessarily complain, but bring to light the struggle and the realities of it, they're called complainers and they're called ungrateful. And people will say like, oh, this generation never wants to work when really it's like, no, this generation has started to realize their value and is now finally putting their foot down regarding working for free or working for too little compensation while being mistreated and put into dangerous work that is physically taxing, all while having no healthcare benefits to help them if they're injured on job, which is not uncommon when you're working with horses. Um, so yeah, like it's, it's just something that needs to happen. And it's something that I would really like to be able to do. And that's why like, I work so hard with like trying to, um, continue pushing to expand my business. And I know it probably gets annoying to people with the amount that I'm advertising my business and stuff, but like, it's all like, like basically like when I get stuck and I'll start like fantasizing and dreaming about what I want, which is like owning my own farm and like having my own place. Like that's like my number one goal is to be able to afford my own farm so that my horses can have like the black beauty style of retirement that they deserve and that they can all live safely and that I'll have my place and all the money that I put into fixing stuff will be for me and it's not going to be for a rental property. That is like my number one dream and my ultimate goal. And with how things have been progressing in the economy, it's kind of like running on a treadmill and like you're never actually getting to a destination because as soon as you start to get ahead the cost of living and everything just continues to skyrocket and there there's so many things in place to try to prevent people like me from becoming homeowners uh for example in bc like 98 percent of first-time home buyers have help from their parents or a family member or someone that is helping them with their down payment so anyone who can't get that help is incredibly unlikely to be a homeowner unless they can find some other way to make the money to do it and Watching that happen and watching how quickly things change, it's really demoralizing and really hard to do, especially when you've been working so hard to try to like overcome all the obstacles that get put in your path. When there's consistently more obstacles added and then at the same time people are telling you that you're ungrateful and not working hard enough and that if you just worked harder, you would get to where you wanted to go. It becomes incredibly frustrating and annoying and taxing and yeah, so... For me, um, like I'm trying to expand my business and do what I do because I want to be in the position where I can help people uh, and actually help set up some of the things that I'd like to see in the horse world. Like I want to be the change that I would like to see and have the funds and the status to actually be able to do that to the extent that I would like to. So yeah, I, I, when I, when I get really fixated on like my fantasy of owning the property because like what I do when I'm bored is I'll just look at properties and I look up stuff and I yeah enjoy it but then like it's like this yearning this intense yearning in your heart like you want it so badly that it hurts and then that's where I go okay like what can I do in this moment to try to get me a step closer and it's like advertise your business keep marketing your business make more videos take on more clients like work harder like these are things that you can do in your immediate 
like grasp basically and then that's where you go seeing like all these ads usually posted at random times of the day or night because it'll just be like when I remember and when I'm like I really really need to just keep pushing um and yeah like it's because of that yearning and that want and that like intense like like yeah it just hurts and like the thought that I may never be able to get there is like really hard to stomach because it's just been a dream since I was like a kid and yeah it the all the obstacles that are in place like it's it's really hard to stay motivated and to want to like continue pushing through when it seems like the odds are all stacked against you and I know that there's a lot of people that experience this and there's a lot of people that are struggling a lot more than I am that can attest to this too and that's kind of why I wanted to share about this and talk about this because I think it's important for people to, to learn about other walks of life and other people's struggles and learn how to have empathy for that because otherwise if you don't learn it's way too easy to oversimplify people's struggles or not even consider obstacles in their path because you've never experienced those obstacles. Like, a lot of us take things for granted. Even the ability to get up and get dressed on your own and walk down to the barn, that's a privilege that a lot of people don't have if they have a disability. And, like, being able to count and rely on your body and have it be there for you to work when you need it, that's a privilege that a lot of people take for granted. And it's not something that you even consider until you've lost it. Uh... And there's a lot of those. There's a lot of those privileges that people have in their day-to-day lives that they do not realize how fortunate they are to have that thing unless they lose it. And then when you do lose it, it's a huge wake-up call. And the only other way to consider how fortunate you are or the privileges you do have is to hear from people who are in different aspects of life than you and hear them share their struggles and their life and actually listen to them instead of talking over top of them instead of assuming that you know better and this is why we need to stop it with the whole like oh the younger generation is so lazy no one wants to work and just like putting all the blame on people for advocating for themselves boundary setting and setting your worth is not a bad thing just because it inconveniences other people who want to profit off of your exploitation um and yeah like i I really want to continue to develop my business because like once it's at the point where I can hire more people to help me, then I can start giving people opportunities to get like fair pay and do jobs that would help me while helping them and giving them opportunities that might allow them to get further in life or opening yeah, like scholarships, like different types of funds and bursaries, doing sponsorships or like with the farm, like one of the goals would be if I could get a big enough farm and if it was workable to do financially, I think it would be really, really cool to start doing like Um, like a rehabilitation center for both horses and humans for like mental health issues or and addiction issues and helping people overcome these things obviously with like professionals like counselors and clinical psychologists but with using horses um, to help them because I think like I said I think horses are incredibly therapeutic and there's a lot of great things that they can do to help people overcome struggle and I would love to be able to provide that for people and to be able to do so affordably and give people a chance because there's a lot of people who feel stuck where they are in their life because there's so few things in place to actually help them get out of the rut that they're in like people just there, there's no help they kind of just kick you while you're down or just like shrug their shoulders and walk on like you see it all the time with like people who are homeless they're treated like they are 
not human. People walk by them and ignore them on the street. And homelessness is just something we've largely accepted as a reality instead of looking at it like, oh, there's enough empty homes in a lot of these countries to house all of the homeless population and more. We're looking at it and going, why are we taking down all these homeless people's tent cities when we do not provide them with an alternative to live? Like, it, it's silly because people get frustrated with the outcome of um, societal downfall and backlash because we don't help people who need it and they get frustrated with the idea of like having homeless people in, in their communities but then there's no fix provided for it like you can't be mad at people for existing while simultane simultaneously providing them with absolutely no other solutions to help them and yeah like I would like to help these people and I would like to be in the position to help people more because like I have felt helpless in my life and I have wanted to be helped that way and I have had people who have stepped up to help me in ways that were really impactful and meaningful and I want to be one of those people to help people more and to provide some of these uh these things and to make the horse world more accessible and to help people who are struggling and to help people who are stigmatized and typically mistreated uh, that's really what I would like to do, and that's what I'm gunning for. So, um, yeah, I hope to achieve that, and it's been, yeah, it's been a journey. I'm not, like, I, I'm definitely not where I thought I would be now, like, in a good way. Like, I, like three years ago, I wouldn't have expected that I would have, like, my dream horse trailer and, like, a nice truck and a lot of the things that I do, but I still have, like, that intense, like, year, like, I just, I really want the property, because not being able to have control over, um, like, the horses' living situations, or being able to change them up, or the same freedoms that you have to, like, build stuff on your property, and have the money be worthwhile, it's something that really bothers me day to day, and it's, like, I, I'm, I'm exceptionally envious of people who have properties, or who have the means to afford them, or who can realistically, yeah, look at being a homeowner within the next few years. I'm so envious of them, because uh, I just want it so badly, and yeah, like, I, I'm really working for it, and I want to, like, the more privilege I gain, like, part, part of my privilege is having the platforms that I do, and with that, I think, comes the responsibility of talking about some difficult subjects, and advocating for things that I would like to see changed, because my voice would be useless on my platforms if I only ever used it for selfish purposes purposes to benefit myself and like continue to push my progress that would be terrible like I, I I have a duty to like myself my ancestors and like pe the people around me in society to use my platforms to try to make the changes that I would want to see uh because I am fortunate more fortunate than some people are to have access to that many people and it gives me access to say things that could potentially change minds or make people reconsider preconceived notions and with that comes responsibility, and that responsibility, I think, is talking about some of these things, because I don't see enough of these topics covered by a lot of horse people, and it's just something that a lot of people never think about then, because we're, like, you're constantly surrounded by other people who are typically fairly well off in the horse world, so it's kind of an echo chamber of privileged people, and it can be hard to get out of that and to learn about how other people are living and struggling if you are constantly involved in like the same type of community that has not that much variety in the types of people that you're seeing um and yeah so it's something to consider because like I've noticed it too where like hearing people talk about like how broke they are I've heard a lot of horse people do this while they have like 
like, a bunch of different cars, like, uh, several different horses that are worth, like, a lot of money and, like, several properties. Um, and it's hard to hear because, like, broke to me means that you have, like, basic, like, you're, you're broke. Like, you have no money in your bank account and you also don't have liquid assets that you could easily sell. Um, like, especially with multiple vehicles, because I wouldn't view, like, a car as someone's liquid asset, generally speaking, because you need it for work, so you couldn't really sell it if you're broke in most cases, um, unless it was, like, absolutely desperate, but, like, for people that have multiple cars, multiple properties, and tons of horses, they have, like, if they were truly broken in a position where they needed money quickly, they have assets that they can liquidate, so you're not actually broke, you're further ahead, especially if you're a property owner, especially if you own multiple properties, so, hearing comments like that just kind of reiterate the level of disconnect that there is from reality in the horse world and it's something we need to talk about like this again this is not insulting people for being more privileged obviously if you have access to privileges like people would take them like if my family could afford to give me a down payment for a house i would obviously take it um as should anyone who has offered that uh but with your privileges, you do have to consider like how they help you out and not oversimplify other people's struggles because it's really shitty when privileged people are like mocking those who have more struggles and more obstacles in their path and insinuating that they're just less hardworking or, or are trying less hard because they have more difficulties to overcome to get to the same place that you had a clearer, clearer path to walk to. Um, and yeah, like the disconnect needs to change and it starts with conversation and just considering ways that we can make things more fair and like what's in our control. Uh, so yeah, those, that, that's some of the stuff that I would really like to see changed. Uh, these are some of the problems that I see in the horse world that I would like to see changed. And I think that doing so would increase the general level of empathy towards both horse and human. And I think that in return, we'd see a huge shift in equine welfare and people like in their welfare like even like mandating certain management practices so that horses are more properly cared for and it's less common to have them isolated and, and in tiny areas even just that would have such a huge shift in equine behavior and people would be safer and happier as a result like the less difficult and emotionally damaged horses are the less reason people have to be abusive to them because they're not getting frustrated with them so even just like these little shifts could start to influence a lot of things and start pushing people in the direction that you want to see them go anyways because a lot of these things are interconnected and when we start to better the lives of our horses they'll start to better our lives more by having our lives be easier because suddenly we're not dealing with all the behavioral fallout from problematic care practices uh so yeah that's it for today and just some food for thought and some of my opinions on things and yeah just consider your privileges because there's a lot of things that we do and that come easily to us every single day that we take for granted and um it i think it's important just to kind of humble yourself every now and then and just be mindful of the fact that there are a lot of other people who are struggling more and they might be struggling more than you and they they might have the same dreams as you but it doesn't mean that they're less deserving just because they have more obstacles to overcome um and yeah, like I would really like to see more equity and fairness in the horse world because I think that that would be a huge positive change. Anyways, thank you for listening to and supporting my podcast yet again, everyone. I am amazed uh, always by the amount of attention that the podcast gets because I barely ever check my statistics. And then when I do, I'm like, holy shit, I checked them recently and I have over 30,000 downloads within the last year just for my podcasts. And that is insane. So thank you guys for the support and the love. And 
it's it's truly incredible. Like, I can't believe that that many people have downloaded my annoying voice and my little tangents on this podcast. And yeah, it's humbling. So thank you for the support in this podcast. Thank you for listening. And thank you for considering pushing for more equity in the horse world and for change. Um, I think that our younger generation has a lot to bring to the table and that there's going to be some hugely positive shifts with that. And I'm excited to see that. And I hope to see it sooner than later. Uh, And I hope that we can better ourselves and make less mistakes than the generations before us, because it's our job to improve on the mistakes of the past. And that starts with holding ourselves accountable and considering the struggles of other people and considering new information as it comes out, because there's a lot more studies on horses now than there were in years past. And all of those things, yeah, to consider. Um, So, yeah. Uh, I would like to see some change. And yeah, thank you for listening to me run my mouth repeatedly. And I always appreciate the support. Uh, Again, so for anyone interested, if you want like training consults and like online consults, video consults, I have all that information on my website, milestoneequestrian.ca. Uh, under services you can look at and then also like the cheapest way to get training help especially if you'll want it repeatedly is probably through my patreon if you do like one of the milestone student type subscriptions because those are for training help so i would highly recommend that patreon.com slash s-d-e-q-u-u-s and there's just there's also some really cheap tiers that you can do if you're more interested in just some behind the scenes footage and just helping out with the podcast so that's great um also, I have, yeah, like my TikTok, I post a lot of tutorials on my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Shelby Dennis. I'm uploading a video today of me working with Pistachio for his first ride. Highly recommend checking that out. He was a very, very good boy. Uh, yeah, so all that stuff helps. Um, watching my videos, sharing the podcast, all that helps with the house fund, guys, just FYI. Um, anything that I can get to expand my business is one step closer to hopefully one day being able to afford my own property. Uh, and you can check out like my products on my store um, on amoreequestrian.ca, A-M-O-R-E, equestrian.ca. And I have my own little tab on there, the milestone tab, and that's like all of my products. There are saddle pads, there's a really fun hoodie that says eat the rich on it, and it has Banksy walking away from an explosion with a match in his mouth. Um, there are really nice quarter zips and leggings and um, and breeches that are available from my sample selections. Like I said, unfortunately, a lot of the sizes are smaller because they're too small. Like they're, they, they did it smaller per size than I wanted, especially with the breeches. So there's less diversity in the size range, but don't worry, that will be changing very soon. Um, and then I have some new products that will be out this week because I'm getting a new shipment of base layers and I'm really excited about that. So those will be the first release for like the spring slash summer base layers. They are so comfortable and so stretchy. I'm really picky about the material for my clothing because I like it to be comfortable but functional and looking good and I'm so happy with the material from these ones they're so comfy and I like the color and they're fun so stay tuned for that those will be released soon um, I also have my shop milestoneequestrian.com merch store uh, you can get 15% off with code easter at checkout and then also on the Amor equestrian website the the whole store is 20% off today only um, until midnight with code easter at checkout so that's a great way to shop and get like an even further discount on the already discounted samples that i have up and also like the saddle pads and whatnot there's a lot of great stuff on there 
Uh, so yeah, you can check all of that out. And then also for those of you who are interested in like any of the nutritional stuff from Mad Barn, I just did a podcast before this one where I interview the founder of Mad Barn and we talk about equine nutrition. That podcast is really great. If you're interested in a discount on any Mad Barn supplements, you can use my code S-D-E-Q-U-U-S at checkout for a discount. They also offer free diet analysis for anyone who wants to analyze their horse's diet and get it balanced professionally by a nutritionist. So that's really great. So yeah, those are all things that you can check out. So thank you again, everyone for listening. And I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. And yeah, I'll see you soon and have more stuff to go on a tangent about. Cheers.